victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn Was sacrifice was made As the heavens tonight to walk through a funeral service and mourn and grieve the loss of this man named Jesus. Would you begin with me in prayer? God, our Father, we gather today to reflect upon the life of this man, Jesus, and in doing that, try to come to terms with our pain and suffering and grief. We ask that your presence would be soothing to our spirits in spite of the overwhelming sorrow and loss. Sovereign Lord, give us insight into the mysteries you've placed in life and death. Amen. You may be seated. If you didn't know him well, he was a friend, a brother, a beloved son. As a teacher, he had many friends, a few enemies and a close-knit group of students who revered him. He was remarkable from his birth. His mother Mary used to call him her miracle child. The family moved around a bit early on, giving him experience experience which serves him well as an adult. They also gave him a hunger for people of all kinds and a desire to always be on the move. As a young boy, he was diligent, responsible, and learned his dad's woodworking trade. He also took a profound interest in people. He was always sharing or teaching or talking with anyone he could. Growing up and in adulthood, he had a capacity to love that was so genuine and so caring. But he was also challenging. He didn't back down from anything that he felt was right. He had an impact on us all 
and on many more who aren't here for this ceremony. He stood up for those of us on the fringes and he carried a message of redemption and reconciliation, oftentimes breaking against the expectations of proper society. In the end, he was humbled by a power greater than himself and it cost him his life. I wish we were here under more happy circumstances. Disappointment, disbelief, discouragement, hurt and grief are all stalking us. In such a brutal episode, we're left with little hope. Having to walk through the reality of death is unpleasant and a struggle for most of us. Dealing with the loss of a relatively young man and coming to grips with the tragic end of such a promising future is extraordinarily challenging. And each of us in our own way are forced to come face to face with a decision to either identify ourselves with him or we distance ourselves from what he was about, his humanity, his life, his love, and even the way he suffered. We're left with so many questions. What's the legacy this man leaves? If you believe in the authority of God in shaping the events of humanity, we're left wondering at his master plan here. How could public opinion turn so rapidly on someone once so revered? Someone so sought after for his particular gifts, skills, and the hope that he encouraged? How could an influencer of so many be stripped of all influence and be left as a cautionary tale? Where was God in all of this? While we journey through this service, take some time to yourself to ponder what's happened and where we go from here. Several individuals who knew Jesus, knew Jesus well, have asked for a time to share this evening. Since we don't have time for everyone to express their thoughts, we've chosen three that I think we can all identify with. Let's think through our own feelings and emotions as we hear from them. Hi, I'm Nick. As I stand here, I don't know how it is that I'm standing here. I'm not supposed to be standing here. You're not supposed to be sitting there. We're supposed to be walking with him. He should be alive. I spoke with him face to face. He taught like no other teacher I'd heard before. The level of clarity he had with the scriptures was inspiring. He shut the mouths of those that looked to trap him in his words, and he brought hope to those that had none. He spent time with those that were outcasts of society. He was never ashamed of them. Uh, sorry. Um, oh, sorry. Um, his words were always filled with love and an understanding that was unsurpassed by anyone that um, I've ever met. His disciples left everything to follow him, jobs, family, communities, left it all. He was that wonderful. No one could do what he did. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. He cast out demons. His wisdom and compassion were unparalleled, and he didn't do any of that for his own renown. He only wanted to do the will of God. How could a man so clearly anointed by God die? Where's the plan in that? What benefit does the world gain from his death? 
We needed him now more than ever before. We're so divided, politics, religion, society. He could have fixed it all. Why didn't he? Why didn't he make an effort to go to the government and say, here's what I can do, and then they would believe? Why have a voice crying in the wilderness to go before him if his end is the grave? Thank you, Nick. I invite you at this time to give voice to your mourning as we participate in song together. This is an opportunity to give release to the tension in our souls and express our despair in song. Would you please rise? Oh 
that Nick was talking about. I, I just don't understand how this could happen. I never knew a love like his before. So true, so wholehearted, pure, and present. Jesus rescued me from a life on the streets. And yet he was never ashamed of me. He never hid himself from me. He gave his love to me unconditionally and without expecting anything in return. His love was like nothing I've ever known, secure. Most people can only give fractured pieces of their heart. He kept his word, honored what was sacred, 
He never broke a promise. Until now. And now what? How am I even supposed to get out of this mess I'm stuck in? He was the only one who ever loved me enough not to walk away. How could he just leave me? Jesus' love made me whole. I was found and secure in his love. I flourished. I found my passion and my purpose. I was validated and valued. And I had worth amounted to so much more priceless than any gift of love and life. His love rescued me. I never had to worry if he would stay true. Never worrying if he cared or listened to a word I had to say. Never wondering if he was happy or proud of me. And now, now I'm scared. What should I do now? I'm terrified and alone. I'm drowning in this fear that no one can pick me up like he could. This world is terrifying, and he was my shelter. He healed me from the terrible things that had happened to me in the past. If he's gone, who's going to protect me now? He has abandoned me to this paralyzing reality that once again, I'm not good enough. And I'm angry. What was the meaning of all this? He changed my life. Made me a part of something and no longer a pariah to society. He did the most wondrous things. All these miracles he performed. And yet he couldn't save himself? What about these promises he made? Jesus... You took every one of my broken pieces and made me whole again. You made my life worth living again. Now I'm afraid I can't live life without you. I don't want to live life without you. If you're gone, I don't want to live this life. I knew it was all too good to be true. It always is. He really was just like everyone else that has walked away from me. Why would he desire to fight for me? But he couldn't save himself. Now without him here, this was all meaningless. I am meaningless. Thank you, Mary. I know many of us are feeling the same sort of thing, myself included. The service is personal to me, just as it is to you. I knew Jesus. We spoke often. He took time for all of us. And for some, he gave more than was necessary. I'm sure you've heard the story, but I remember the time he was surrounded by people I know, what else is new? You remember how it was. Everyone wanted to get close for a chance, chance to catch a word, catch a look, or even more, to get close enough to touch his clothes. He was like paparazzi in the Bieber. Some of his students were running interference for him that day. 
they were just trying to keep some semblance of order and let the most important people or the people who needed Jesus the most have access. And yeah, we all wanted some of the toughest cases to get through to him and kind of see what happened. If he could make a change in them, how much more then was it possible he could change things for me? But then, instead of the seriously needy or the friendless, a group of parents broke into this midst and they were presenting their infants and their children to him. The audaciousness when there were so many who needed so much more from him. But he didn't do what we thought he'd do. Any other celebrity would have turned their back or mocked them for wasting his time. He didn't do that. Instead, he slowed down. He stopped the bustle. He took time to set the little ones on his knee and held them in his arms, cooing and grinning. He said a special prayer over each, even the ones who were whole and well. When other people tried to intervene, they were the ones that were scolded. He started calling the little ones out of the crowd to be brought forward, dirty and crying and dripping snot. We all marveled at the unpredictability. Who else of importance does these things? In their pride, no one deals with the lowly, the humble, the powerless. In that moment, it was clear to us all that he didn't care for influence. He had no designs on what, the, what sort of favor he could foster by his lofty associations. The look of joy as he held those children. He loved them. He loved us all. Probably far more than we'll ever know. He'll be missed for the amazing things he did, the power he displayed, but even more, the impact of his passing will be felt by the people who saw and experienced the little things he did. Those small moments when only a few people were around to witness the forgiving word. The gentle rebuke, give it in love the gift given that was undeserved. The understanding of pain and weakness and hurt and brokenness as we sit here in lament, broken yet again, racked with grief yet again. He's really the one we need. He would understand. He would console us. He would comfort us. But he isn't here. And the loss is even more profound. Another close friend of Jesus would like to share. John? I would basically Jesus' favorite. There we go. I brought notes. I I don't understand. I thought I did, but now I just, I can't. He told me so many things, so many promises. Did they all mean nothing? Can I trust a single thing that he said? I always imagined growing up, our grandkids would play together and we'd talk about 
taxes or home equity or whatever else old people talk about. (laughs) But he died. He didn't just die, though. He chose to die. He made the choice to separate from us and die. I have no doubt in my mind that he could have stopped everything. He could have stopped his death, but he chose not to. He chose to leave me. My best friend abandoned me. I was ready to follow him for the rest of my life. What's kind of hard to follow somebody who's dead. He was going to save everyone. Dead. He was the son of God. Dead. How does the son of God even die? Can I believe that anymore? When Lazarus died, all it took was Jesus calling out to him for him to come out. Why doesn't it work the same way? Why can't he just wake up? If all it took were three words to raise him from the dead, then why haven't you? I need you. I feel like everything I thought I knew, everything he had been teaching me for the past three years is all fake. There was no point. In a way, he betrayed me. In a way, he betrayed everyone. But I still love him. I probably have Stockholm Syndrome or something. I've been brainwashed by some homeless maniac who creates mass crowds and causes confusion. That's why I love him, right? I've been brainwashed by the one. I still believe everything he said. I can't, I can't forget it. I can't forget his teachings, his passion. He believed everything he said, and he knew his promises too. He knew they would be left unanswered. So what was it? I'm just so confused why he would tell us all this stuff. It's like he told us and meant for it to be left unanswered. But why would he do that? How could he do that? Why would he do that to us? Why did he do that to me? Thanks, John. Appreciate your vulnerability. Despair. It's the word that sticks in my head as I review the events that unfolded that took Jesus' life and left us reeling. This service is unlike most I've done. Seldom have I felt the freedom to speak so openly about the events leading up to a death we're observing. And seldom have I felt the purpose in challenging each of us here further in our processing. Certainly, death is inevitable. Time keeps pushing us toward the tomb or ultimate disappointment unavoidable. The grave puts a stop to all good things. It's the last of the last for every man, woman, and child as it steals everything. But often we're able to temper that finality with the good a person has done. The choices that a person makes in life that leave a lasting impact. With this man Jesus, the enormity of the hope he brought, the life-giving healing and goodness that he gave many of us, the mission he was on, those things were everything. The hope he carried became a mountain of promise to us and for us. We offered our faith and gave him our trust to believe in something for the immediate, sure. 
But we gave our faith even more for an eternal future that seemed almost too good to be true. We all bought it. He healed you, which is great for now, till you grow old and lose your capacity again. He delivered you from your past and he forgave you. But now you have to continue to live under a system of oppression and the intrusion of a government that doesn't care about you. He laid out his plans in a different way of thinking and got you excited for change. And then he was put to death and it completely nullifies that possible change. The endless cycle of meaninglessness in birth and death is confirmed yet again. His humanity was revealed when he was crushed and put to death. Even in the power he possessed and we all saw it firsthand. So now that hope dashed. So many promises left unfulfilled. Our faith was wasted. I think that's worse than not buying into it in the first place. I know you all understand. We're reeling right now with the hardships we face day after day. Disease, death, brokenness, war, relationships strained and gone toxic, the pull of a godless culture on our kids, divisive attitudes that pit us against each other. We have hope that these things will change as God looks down on us and sees our predicament. Maybe that's better as a question. Do we have hope that these things will change? We don't doubt there's a God. But where he is right now is a mystery. What is he doing about our predicament? Does he even care? We have to believe in something. I think despair would be too much otherwise. But none of us have hope beyond a blind trust that someday these events will be vindicated. We've been too conditioned to the atrocities that man visits upon himself to expect anything different. So join me in pleading that God would hear and act. There's something else we need to confront. Setting all tact aside, I'm going to say it bluntly. Of course, Jesus' horrific killing was planned and enacted by his enemies. And we live in fear of the same thing happening to us. But I'll say it. Ultimately, his death was because of us. You were there when we applauded him just a week ago. You were singing his praises like he was a conquering hero. How short-sighted and fickle our thinking I was present and I participated in the trial myself. I saw each of you there. We all affirmed those trumped up accusations against him, knowing where that verdict and sentence would lead. Knowing the only thing he was guilty of was challenging the power and the influence of the wrong people. He was innocent. Can we all admit that? He was innocent. He bled because of us. 
His body was broken because of us. You, I I know you've done unspeakable things and then sent a blameless man to his death. You've hurt other people in the worst of ways and essentially laid your guilt on him. We all did wrong in our defiance and our guilt when we willingly had him take the fall for us. If anyone was guilty to be punished for, if anyone was guilty of crimes to be punished for, it was, it was me. It was you. And you. Not an innocent man. If that weren't enough, our hypocrisy in sending him, to be, sending him to be horrifically abused and tortured and killed without just cause, we opted for the release of a murderer when we could have spared Jesus. When given the opportunity, you and I would pervert the mercy and grace we profess to believe in and want for ourselves. Instead, we bestowed it on the worst of the worst and stripped an innocent man, a good man, a godly man of even a shred of kindness. If you knew my thoughts, the things I pursued, I deserve to be there. Instead, I put him in my place. Wouldn't the world be better off if I was in there instead of him? if I was dead in my wrongs and he was alive. Sorry if I've said too much. Loss is more than we can even fathom right now. Honestly, words are just empty. I think we need to ponder this death, his death. The impact is pervasive. It's sure to touch every part of creation. In times like this, we look to symbols and some sort of meaning, something we can grasp, anything tangible to mark this moment, to settle the importance, to give form to something that words are inadequate for. There are flowers somewhere near you. You can each take one as you choose. Flower is adorned in a way we can only wish for. It's a symbol of beauty and awe, loveliness. Yet, it's been cut from its life-giving root at its prime. The impact of its lifelessness isn't even truly felt yet. As a token of respect and honor, you may come down the center aisle, down the middle, and place the flower on the casket. And while it's a token of honor, it also signifies the irreversible nature of death and how it swallows any victory or joy. The grave is final. Once you've placed your carnation you can partake in communion. 
pick up a cup and a wafer. You can take the elements on either side at the front, individually or with family or with friends. And as you do, recognize the symbolism of the broken bread. Remember Jesus' body, broken in human fragility, battered to death. Don't forget what happened. And recognize the symbolism of the wine and remember Jesus' blood, his vitality, his life spilled in this violent act. There's good in remembering what he did. But there's a place for us to remember what we did too and didn't do. I pray that God would have mercy on us and would will someday be forgiven. When you're ready, join us in placing a flower on the casket and cycle through communion and then back around to your seats. Please do so in silence and reverence for the dead. Oh, be exalted.
Thanks for sticking with us through this dramatized take of a funeral for Jesus. As we wrap up here this evening, there's a few things that I wanted to leave you with. There is something to be learned from the tension between Good Friday and Sunday. This is the darkest hour. Stuck in the valley with not even a glimmer of hope on the horizon. Hope, non-existent. It'd be easy to say that those disciples had such little faith. Jesus told them exactly what was going to transpire. In Matthew 16, 21, he tells them, he tells us, that he would suffer many things. He'd be put to death, and on, third, on the third day be raised to life. Point blank, Jesus spelled out the end of the story, and yet, what happened when Jesus was crucified? Doubt crept in. Faith diminished. The disciples literally went and hid behind locked doors out of fear. After all the signs and miracles they encountered, after Jesus explicitly telling them to have faith, they immediately shriveled when their world went dark. How many of us are living in our darkest hour? How many of us succumb to the lie that there's no hope, that this is it, that there's no joy to be had because God's deserted the earth and his people? In the last several years of Worn people down in a profound way. Countless stories of depression, mental illness, trauma, complete lack of willpower and hope, feelings of helplessness, being immobilized. People can barely function right now. I don't know if you've seen or experienced this. I can say it's very, very real. Back to the crucifixion. We're all aware of the rest of the story. What happened three days after Jesus' death? If you aren't, We've got a heck of a crazy twist coming this Sunday. You'll have to come and hear about it. But right now we're living in this angst before the big reveal. What is there to be learned from the tension between Friday and Sunday? Three words. Don't lose hope. In the middle of all this hardship and turmoil, keep holding on to the truths we know. Let me read from Lamentations 3 written about the destruction of Jerusalem. One of the darkest episodes in history where Jeremiah recognizes the despair of the moment but comes around to God's unshakable character. You can read along with me. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he's turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old and broken my bones. He's besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He's made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He's weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out for, call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's barred my way with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and he made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He's filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. 
So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I'll say it again. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Scripture tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of things unseen. Even in our darkest moment, when all reason tells us there's no good left, that what we've hung all our trust on seems gone, don't give in to the impossible. Wait for him. Don't lose hope. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We would love to have you come back for Easter services on Sunday, either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Invite your friends, invite your family. Please come back and be with us. Thanks for being here. You are dismissed. <laughs>